and welcome to another episode of My Favourite Game from the Honest Football Podcast. On the show this week, we've got the fantastic Minnie Birch. Uh, the singer-songwriter is going to talk to us about her new football-themed album. Um, she has quite a un- unique relationship with football, actually. Uh, she talks to us also about her opportunities as an amateur footballer, especially being female. And, of course, we talk about her favourite ever football match. Um, definitely give Minnie a follow on, on social media. Um, and if you can, she's been on BBC Radio and all sorts. Try and look out for her music. It is fantastic. And we're not saying that just because it's football-themed, but genuinely it is brilliant. And don't forget, if you'd like to be part of this favourite game series, just give us a message at Honest Football 3. Okay, so I'm delighted to be joined by Minnie now, and you've got quite an interesting background, which we'll talk through in the episode, but I'll start as I do normally by asking about your first football in memory, whether it be as a fan or playing, what's your first memory of the game? Um, my very first memory is like quite patchy, to be honest. I remember going to see a football game with my family. I cannot remember who was playing. Um, my It was a family friend played on a team, I want to say like a Saturday league team, and um, I remember being like excited at first, then I remember being very cold and very bored. <laughs> I remember my toes going numb, but then our family friend went in for like um, a header and got like quite badly injured, got t- stretched off um, with concussion. And then I remember obviously spending the rest of the game vengeful against the other team that he'd been hurt <laughs> and getting really into the spirit of wanting his team to win. <laughs> And starting the chanting and the singing along. So, yeah, that's kind of my f- first memory, but it's pretty patchy. So, Cameron Holder was tiny. <laughs> it's certainly a pretty unique one, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, and then growing up, I guess, as either a fan or playing, what were your, your main memories along your childhood of football? So, my like relationship with football is quite weird. So I came to football like quite late. So obviously I have that like vague memory of football that I just shared with you. But then mm. football isn't really like a part of my like life really um, for a long time other than maybe like watching it like most people do when there's a big event or something like a yeah. big World Cup. Um, but then as a musician, my friend Holly asked me to come play as halftime entertainment at a Watford Ladies game. Um oh. And yeah, it was really cool. They played at Berkhamsted Football Ground then. I think they were in the Women's Super League then, Division 2, which I think they're still in now. Um, yeah, and so I went along not really knowing too much and like completely fell in love. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and that was like the turning point for me. But that was only like, I think like six, five or six years ago. It wasn't that long. So it's kind of been since then that I started like I joined the Sunday League team and like got into like watching football um so yeah it's all like really new and exciting to me so I'm a proper like newbie which I think is maybe a bit rare as an adult to like come come to football later yeah, on yeah it's a little bit know. rarer but as long as you love with the game <laughs> yeah I guess maybe I don't know maybe like for like women in particular like the Women's World Cup and stuff might have changed that a little bit because I saw like our local league which tends to be like like our local Sunday league which tends to be like older women has like had the biggest intake this like season and stuff and I think that's partly the World Cup so maybe it isn't so rare actually maybe once it's like shown to you that it can be something that's more for you rather than at school when it's like the boys play football you guys play netball perhaps I don't think that happens so much anymore but for me school in the 90s that was like how it worked so maybe there are more of them out there 
Yeah, <laughs> maybe there's more of us out there that are finding football late, later on. So it's quite a nice. It's quite nice. Yeah, it's really great you say that because I think the Women's World Cup's had such an impact, even locally here. You see so many more, even on the the streets and in the local parks, just seeing young girls playing football, which is something you never traditionally used to see, which is really great. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, as I say, I'd, I'd never played football before, and just like five, six years ago, I could just rock up to my Sunday league and be like, "Can I?" A crack and they were like oh my gosh yes like we don't have enough players whereas <laughs> now they, they've got like loads got tryouts and stuff so yeah yeah it's really good that's changed in a really short space of time so. and then talk to me a little bit about your enjoyment of playing because obviously again you've started playing as an adult which is a little bit different so talk to us <laughs> a bit about that um so the team I actually played for um they like folded um maybe like two three seasons ago which is a real shame um so I stopped kind of playing I did like a bit um a bit of like five-a-side stuff um yeah. but I mostly actually play roller derby now I don't play so much football um <laughs> because essentially I did come to it as an adult and I'm pretty terrible at it <laughs> so I enjoy it but that's like the downside of like it being really popular I can't just so like I can't just rock up to a team now they've got like proper tryouts and yeah. people that are you know doing really good at the game or getting back into it that used to play when they were younger so I need the team I played for um was Bedman Ladies FC and we were like a proper like hungover school teachers <laughs> and shop assistants on a Sunday morning kind of football team do you know the kind like That's can we just take a moment while Sarah throws up on the side of the pitch okay and we're back <laughs> <laughs> So that's like my experience but like I've never had like such like a nice supportive network of people to be around like I honestly feel like if you're having a difficult time in life or with your like mental well-being or something go join your Sunday league or your five-a-side team locally like they will save you. <laughs> I couldn't agree more I mean Sunday league football is the best football in the world it's and as you mentioned it's quite a good thing actually it's more about the social side than it is the football even because it's just 15 10 to 15 people gathered together every week and it's almost like a therapy for the working week as you say so. Yeah it was because that was like my introduction to football I then got into watching what maybe like Premier League stuff and I was like why are they being sent off for that he didn't punch her in the head like <laughs> kind of have like quite an askewed version of like what is acceptable like manhandling on the football pitch it's, it's definitely a bit older school isn't it <laughs> yeah it can be I just wanted to move on a bit because obviously you're a bit of a, a late bloomer into following football, which is quite a unique take. And do you have a team now that you support or follow at all? Or is it just the general enjoyment of the game? Um, yeah, I think it's the general enjoyment. So Watford ladies still play right near me. They're at King's Langley football ground. So I will go and see them. Obviously, I live in Hemel Hempstead. So Watford is the Premier League team that I would follow mostly. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a long season so far. <laughs> Um, but yeah I just I pick up players that I really love like um, Gilfie is one of my favorites I kind of follow what Everton do and so yeah I just I'm very fickle I'm probably not a proper football fan in that way that's probably one of the nice things of joining as an adult actually because you don't have that attachment to a certain team you can find players you love and not have to hide in a corner if they go and join a team you don't like or something which is probably quite a nice way to be able to work yeah I guess like I don't seem to have the highs and lows, I guess, that other football yeah. fans do. So although I don't have the highs, I also don't have the like disparaging lows <laughs> when the team doesn't do so well. Um, yeah, I can just fickly jump to another one. Um, I wanted to move on a little bit about your work because it's probably the, the the most interesting reason we've got you on this podcast. And it's a, such a unique thing, which is 
you have a bit of work that's obviously as a musician, but quite related to football. So talk to us a little bit about it, how you got into it and what, why you do it, because it's quite interesting. Oh, I'm glad you find it interesting. So I'm worried that it's just a really niche thing that, <laughs> that not many people will. Um, but yeah, I guess so. I've always been, I've been a musician. That's what I do. I make music. I'm like a folk musician. Um, so obviously when I got into football and started going to bigger games in particular, I was quite attracted to the singing and the chanting. Yeah. So I got a bit like into this and started like collecting the songs, which basically means I had a spreadsheet and I was like making a note of ones that I'd heard and which teams they thought they belonged to. And then I started researching online and talking to other people. And I eventually got to this point where I wanted to make a record and I have just finished a record. It comes out next year um, based on football songs. So it's essentially the songs I've chosen are old folk songs, old kind of English folk that's made its way onto the terraces. So things like My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. Yeah. And I've kind of reworked them, but fed in some of the some of the actual words from the terraces as well. So it's a bit <laughs> of an unusual record, but I hope people are going to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly um, interested to hear it because it's, <laughs> it's probably one of the most unique things I've heard in relation to football. And as you say, at the moment, that probably makes it quite niche. But I think you could potentially start a trend because you'll have that huge fan base of football fans who will be probably quite interested to see what it's about and then obviously there's the musical side as well which will have its normal following it's quite a unique field to go down I'm interested how you got into it <laughs> well I think because like folk music is about if you do like traditional folk you're kind of reworking like traditional like English Irish Scottish songs and they say like a lot about their social like political context of the mm. time and I kind of feel like the football terraces are like our folk music like if people identify themselves so much by their hometown and their team then the songs that they sing as part of that that is their that's their folk music and yeah. it and it has kind of changed through time it seems to me from coming at it at, like as a, a new person it can tell you like a lot about our history um yeah. and also it's one outside of church is it's one of the only places where we all come together and sing en masse yeah. and it's I don't think that anyone at a football ground thinks oh I'm a I'm a folk musician I'm like I'm like you kind of are like this mm. is this is folk music in its rawest kind of form I just really love that feeling as well like my brother is a man new season ticket holder and he took me to a game and my god it's like at one point they, they were singing at VR which I've never really heard before VAR sorry and I was <laughs> they weren't being um particularly polite about it but I was like because they were all together in this I was like this is nearly 80,000 people all chanting this is this feel it just feels nice that sound yeah. it can't sound bad like it's that thing of singing together when the whole is greater than some of its parts and I just yeah. I like that feeling and I think it's more positive as someone that came to football later I probably had that view that like actually this is quite a negative side of football or football has a lot of negativity surrounded yeah. to it sometimes particularly with what goes on on the terraces but I, as a new person I was like bowled over but like, this is a really positive thing and I think I wanted to somehow share that with maybe other folk musicians who also hadn't realised, like, this is part of what we do, like, collecting social history through singing in groups and together. It's a great way to keep it in, in modern society as well, I guess, because it's a lot of football, I guess the songs that are sung at football grounds, people wouldn't normally listen to in their day-to-day -day lives generally, but it keeps <laughs> no. its way in society because they're singing it on mass at a football ground, which is something you'd never expect to happen. Yeah, and I think there's definitely people that have will have collected them, and like from mm. my research, definitely there's definitely like a lot of terrace recordings like online and stuff. Um, and I think there's even there's even been like a terrace laureate, like the person who wrote like football chants, who was like employed to do that and stuff. So I think 
there is like definitely like a history of it that I guess just me coming at, at it new I was just really excited and was like oh, I want to capture this somehow but there's definitely other little projects out there that people have done to bring it to life and someone said to me they're taking away a lot of like the seated bit in a lot of stands so that yeah. they can bring the singing back um which was really cool to hear but again as someone that's new I was like bringing it back it happens all the time doesn't it and but a few like hardcore football fans are like actually no like it's a bit of a dying art and I'm like is it that's crazy like imagine what to it would have thought to, before <laughs> yeah that's what I was thinking because to me as like a new like fan I was like really this is like the best part of, this is the biggest and best part of the whole game <laughs> I guess moving on to the, we will move on to the the favourite game, which is the whole oh, point yeah. of the series Sorry. in a minute. Um, <laughs> don't worry, it. we always build up to it this way, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> just finally, obviously talking about music next year, I know there's going to be a lot of football fans interested in that record, so just tell us about where people can find it, where people will be able to order it when it's out. Oh, thanks. So yeah, the record is um, called You're Not Singing Anymore. <laughs> um, and it comes out in May time, so um, it'll be... Um, um, I'm not 100% sure exactly what day we're going to kind of drop it towards the end of the season. And um, yeah, it'll be in all the usual places like Spotify and wherever your normal streaming places are. But you can grab um, my website is just minibirch.co.uk or you can come to a live show and you can grab um, a record there. But I'm working with um, some management at the moment who are booking an autumn tour of more like football venues. So we're going to cool. take the show out. Yeah. And and part of what I did for the record just quickly was collect people's football memories as well. So we're hoping to go out in autumn and collect a few more like just people's experiences of the terraces and try to kind of archive that in some way too. That's really cool. I, I wish you all the best with it because I think you. it's a fantastic idea and I oh, thank you. hope it goes down as well as I think it's going to because I've already researched your music a bit and I know you've got a very good voice so I'm hoping that with the musical stuff that will go well as well. Oh thank you, I'll make sure I get you guys um, a copy of the record. Very kind <laughs> of you. <laughs> um, and then moving on I guess to the big question and the the series that we're in now is the favourite game series. Now I guess yours is probably a bit of a smaller repertoire to choose from because of your following football a bit later on. But I'm yeah. guessing of all of the games that you've watched or even ones that you've played in, what's your favourite footballing game and favourite footballing memory? Um, so, it's always, I feel like it's always the last game you went to, but I'm not going to go with that one. <laughs> um, but for me, like I was really fortunate to go out to France for the Women's World Cup last year. So it's definitely like a World Cup game, but it's I was like is he gonna be like what have you done I've chosen a nil nil a draw and it's, <laughs> I think it was the only draw of the World Cup actually <laughs> and I know that kind of doesn't sound very exciting but it was um oh what's the date well it's June um Women's World Cup and I went to the Parc de Prince Stadium that is like the home of Paris Saint-Germain yeah. and I don't know if you've ever been there or seen it, but I was so keen. I got there super early. And I think all of this is like part of why it's my favorite game. I got there super early and I went up to, um, went to get our seats super early, which was kind of like, I shouldn't have done that because it made it feel like it was like 10 people at the game <laughs> before everyone piled in. But you walk up like the stairs there and you know, like how all big football stadiums, you can see the sky before you can yeah. see the pitch in it. Like I'm still at that point of like eight year old kid that's going to their first game, remember? <laughs> so it's so exciting that they have the seats there as well. Like they're red, white and blue, but they're patterned. So it looks like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And just, there was just this real sense of like excitement. But I went, it was the, uh, Argentina Japan okay. um, game and the obviously Japan have have won the World Cup before and I think Argentina hadn't qualified at least they hadn't qualified for the previous one okay. in Canada so it was kind of like a so a draw was quite exciting <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um, 
yeah so the Japanese fans were insane like they were like handing out flags and heads goes everyone and I would not be surprised if they're like still singing now like they sang like this is their Japan were meant to win this game yeah they didn't they like could Argentina just gave the Argentina were just like we, we would just sit every single player on the goal line like we're not even going to make any tries they just couldn't be broken down and I think it was a good tactic probably really like Japan just couldn't break them down yeah. at all and it should have been the most boring game honestly these Japanese fans like I think they will still be singing now like they just sung and banged their little drums like the whole thing <laughs> and the, the atmosphere was just really good and then I'm pretty sure we had well England had Argentina next like we just beat Scotland we had Argentina next yeah. and you like sense that feeling there was a lot of like just being in France there was an England game the night before there was a lot of like English fans there and you could sense that feeling of like oh it's on like this isn't going to be as easy as we thought and all those like probably been paying attention to Japan but we're not really seeing them in action because they just can't push forward so it's not really a helpful game for the players to watch and also thinking actually we're probably not gonna break down Argentina it was just exciting and there was just such like a diverse crowd there like which was so nice to see I think football in general is more diverse than people think but it can be like when I went to Old Trafford the other week with my brother it, it was there was a lot of guys of a certain yeah. age and a certain background maybe and this was just super there were so many kids at the Women's World Cup and it was just a really nice feeling and then when I read later, I think it's the thing like the stadium was only half full. Like you, it just didn't feel like that. It just felt like the most exciting game of football. Like no goals, most exciting game of football. Um, and Stephanie Freppart was refing, so it was quite yeah. cool to catch that. Um, I don't think she got a very good review of that game, but it was still, it was still really, <laughs> it was still really exciting. And I think that's the thing for me. Like everything's new and exciting. I'm like seeing yeah. like particular refs that you read about for the first time, like experiencing <laughs> things for the first time. So yeah, I think that was. That's my that's my like favorite game. I think that's a a really really good and, and again you've just managed to be unique somehow. It's a really good choice to pick a nil nil. Which... <laughs> Sorry, I, don't know <laughs> I, I actually You're think like, it's... we will not run this episode. <laughs> you found the you found the the perfect reason we started this series, which is most people's favorite game have absolutely nothing to do with the football match itself in terms of what happened on the ninety minutes, but mm. the. The experience of whether it's so when I picked my favourite game, it was a weekend away as a teenager that I would just remember. I don't remember the football game at all, but I remember everything else. <laughs> and cool. and it's just one of those things that brings people together. And you mentioned it there. You were sat amongst a sea of Japanese and Argentinian people and English people who'd come in and French people who were there as locals. Yeah. And that's a situation, I guess, in a normal day to day life you would never usually find. And it makes football so unique, I guess, in that way and sport generally as well. Yeah, definitely. I think when I've been collecting people's memories of football, I can't tell you how many memories people talk about their dads. Like mm. it's it's yeah. that's been really interesting. Like a lot of men in particular talk about their relationship with their dad. It's just such a big part of their relationship. And some of them have been close friends and they've never mentioned their relationship with their dad to me. And that just comes out and yeah. they're not talking about the football, they're just talking about like they got this weekly thing with their dad and it's just such a strong memory. And yeah, I think it's it is nice to ask people those things and get those questions back that are more personal, I guess, than what you'd expect. Not just like, oh, I went to see Man U give Watford a major drubbing and it was the best day of my life. Sort of thing. <laughs> and that's the good thing. No one really talks about the game, which is always what we're looking for, because your best experiences in life aren't little things you've done. They're things that you've seen around you. And that experience of being at one of the biggest, most iconic stadiums in Europe and 
even though you're seeing a game between two sides that you would probably never normally just sit and watch if you were at home on the TV. But mm. it's it's that sort of experience that you would never get otherwise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I felt quite privileged to be there. I mean, I think my ticket was something crazy, like 14 euros, like nuts. Um, that wasn't even the cheapest seat. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was a great experience. I'm really glad to hear that. And I, I think the best thing you mentioned in that as well is how many young people were there. And I know you mentioned about a lot of particularly young men where we've interviewed them and their memories, as you say, are going to a football match with their dad or their uncle yeah. or their granddad. For that, the Women's World Cup, there was a lot of young girls going with their mums and their grandparents. Yeah. And that's that's something that hopefully will go through to the next generation and become a real pioneer for women's football then. Yeah, I hope so, because I felt excited for them, because I always felt this little pang of jealousy of like, oh, that's just not, that's just, it just wasn't in my peripheral, like, yeah. if that makes sense. Maybe, as we say, like something that starts at school where those two things are quite separate. And yeah, it was, it, it is quite exciting to think, yeah, this is like, what role models? This is great. This is cool. <laughs> So I want to thank you again for joining us on the Favourite Game series, for giving us such an interesting experience rather than game, actually, which is something that we haven't had too many times. A lot of people are talking about really exciting games or picking the most memorable games out of their their lives. But for you to pick out an experience is something that we really quite enjoy because it's something that we had in mind when we started the series. So I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And thank you for coming on and talking about football and your you unique take on work and football and I hope that next year your record goes down really well and we'll certainly be listening to it and hopefully plugging it in our podcast around the time as well oh thank you so much that's it for this week's episode I hope you very much enjoyed it if you did and you're watching on YouTube please like share and subscribe for regular content from the Honest Football Podcast let us know in the comments what you thought of the favourite games you can of course follow us on Spotify if you're listening there too we'll have regular bonus interviews and content on that platform and you can follow us over on Twitter at Honest Football 3 we'll have updates about upcoming episodes and interviews but for now a massive thanks for watching again and we'll see you next time